Hi, I'm Mike Maloney, and welcome to another CSRM podcast. Today's episode is hosted by Dr. Greg Linville. Welcome, everybody, to another CSRM podcast as we continue to go through the book, The Saving of Church Sports. I am joined today uh, with Dr. Greg Linville and also Scott Stebbin. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you so much for being on today's podcast. Always good to be with you. Awesome. I'm going to dive right in. Uh, Dr. Greg, if if you would uh, kind of catch us up to speed, we're talking about soteriology. Could you give us a quick just recap as to what that is, why it's important for the local church to consider that when it comes to sports ministry, and then we'll pick up our conversation in chapter five. So go ahead and fill in some blanks before we dive into chapter five. Well, there's a Greek word. People that know me say, oh, here we go again. But the uh, soter, which is where we get soteriology from, and it means what does it mean to be saved? And so the whole book is 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 about that, and it's called The Savings of Church Sports. And it's kind of a, you know, a double meaning there. It, it What does the church, local church sports ministry, what does it mean for that, that group to get somebody saved, somebody into their their faith journey and relationship with Jesus. But it also is uh, kind of tongue-in-cheek saying that some of our churches are, they're disillusioned with the sports ministry, sports rec and fitness ministry of a church, because what's happened is that they're not seeing the fruit of it. And so we talked about that in a couple previous podcasts, that what are we really trying to get after? And what we're trying to get after is, we're trying to get a long-term, lifelong, dedicated disciple of Jesus. And what that means then is something different than just getting somebody to raise their hand one day because they they heard something that sounded pretty cool. And it's, a, it's kind of a different approach that we have called evangelistic disciple-making. So evangelistic, meaning we've got to go. Yeah, we've got to go. But what are we going to do? We're going to make disciples. And that's different than counting converts. Somebody raised their hand. Now we know that the discipleship starts there. We don't diminish it in any way. That's It's obviously very important. But if that's all the church tries to do, then what happens? And it's like having a baby born and just leaving them on the table and Oh, feed yourself and grow. And, 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 and so I don't think that anybody would do that. And I think However, the church does that often with with people that have just come to faith. And so we've also encountered in our last time some talk, some conversation about cheap grace, meaning that it really doesn't mean uh, much of anything. Jesus loves you. Accept them and get on to the rest of your life the way you, you did up until that point. And you can do anything and you don't have to change anything. And no, there's. Become a disciple means that there's some changing in what we think and what we do and who we are. And so that's kind of where we are at this point on the book. And, and we're starting to move on from there. And, and really, we talked in this chapter about the trilogy, mm-hmm. meaning the trifold, if you will, of gospel centricity. 
And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Did I get it there, Dan? Or what else should would you like to bring out? No, I think you caught us up to speed there very, very well. So uh, let's dive in. You talked about the trilogy. Obviously, that's a very biblical term there. But when it comes to sports rec and, out- and fitness outreach, why is this something that we should be talking about? What trilogy are, are you getting at here in chapter five? Well, the, the centrality of the gospel, gospel centricity, and if we don't have these three things, then we're probably not getting that evangelistic disciple making done. And the first one is the centrality of Jesus. It's sad to me that there are, particularly in America, but I think throughout the Western world and, and probably beyond that, that there are whole denominations that are now beginning to say that any kind of evangelism is actually sinful. It's actually evil because they're saying that all roads lead to Jesus and all faith. I won't even call them faith traditions, but all religious traditions lead to the same end. I think you have to do away with a lot of the Bible uh, in order to get to that place. It's not just a couple verses that are in and of themselves defining, like Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. I mean, there are some of those verses that are very clear, but when you look at the whole Old Testament, it's a preview. It, it's a pointing to. Um, the preview is like the prophets, the the priest. The kings, all of those are the roles in which Jesus, they point to Jesus. And all the prophecies that point that where Jesus would be born, when he would be born, how he would be born, how what would happen in his life, and, and on and on. And so the Old Testament is really pointing its way to the Messiah, the Christos, the Christ, and uh, the anointed one that is of God. And then, obviously, the Gospels tell the story of Jesus. His life and times, his preaching, his teaching, his sacrificial death, his resurrection. And then Acts tells us about how that message was taken. The centrality of Jesus was taken throughout the world. And then the epistles tell us how how we need to think about that and how we are to live our lives and how we're to continue that reaching out. And then the Revelation is talking about that Jesus is coming back. The whole Bible is Jesus in a, in a nutshell. And, and it, it would be like, taking out uh, Baron Pierre de Coubertin away from the Olympics. So it wouldn't be Olympics without him. Uh, take take Mozart and separate him from classical music. It doesn't happen. Uh, Jesus, and those are poor examples to, to this, that you take Jesus out, there is no gospel. There is no good news. That's what the gospel means. There's good news for men and women and children. And, and so the centrality of Jesus is the first part of this. And then the second part of it is the centrality of the church of Jesus. But Dan, you might want to ask a question before we go on. Well, I think, you know, I I, I read in uh, chapter 5, page 41, uh, you say Jesus is Christianity. And I think that that's a perfect summary uh, to everything that that you just said. Um, you know, when I, when I think about Jesus and I think about uh, you quoted John 14, 6, he says he's the way to truth and, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. 
And then when Jesus calls his disciples, um, yes, salvation was a part of that, but the actual term to be a disciple is someone who follows those teachings, those doctrines of, t- of Jesus. And so for three years, those men did that. And that that phrase, when we look at Luke chapter nine, when Jesus says, come after me, I did some digging in the Greek there. And that that word after is to fall in line, come behind Jesus. And so if he is central to everything that we should be doing in our sports ministries, then it should all be pointing to him and getting people to fall in line to come after him first in salvation. But like you said, not just leaving them there as a baby, but then helping them to continue to follow Jesus even when life gets hard. So I think that uh, it's more of a comment than a question, but I think that is so key to to just make Jesus the central aspect of everything we're doing in our ministry. So I, I really appreciate this chapter. So no real questions there. Scott, did, did you have anything about no, I, I was just gonna. I was gonna make a comment. Yeah, the idea of Jesus being, you know, Christianity is Jesus, and you know, there's something later in chapter five where you talk about changing. You know, here's the mindset, and here we change our mindset. Things like towards page fifty-one, I think, and it's just stuff like that when you look at it. And it's not just a change of well, making it about Jesus because there's something you're right. Well, one thing you'd have to change is the the pro athlete who don't have the change from having the pro athletes speak about Jesus if they are not willing to live like Jesus. And I think, you know, it's not just about the outward expression of faith, but there's also the inward transformation that needs to take place too. Yeah, and so as as we move there, then we know that it's about Jesus and, and it comes back then to the centrality of the church of Jesus. Yeah. And and so the second part of this trilogy has to do with the church. And that was what the previous book was all about. And we've done the podcast on that. We're not going to de- do a deep dive into the theology the of ecclesiology of, of the church. But here it's important to know that just to re- refresh and, and summarize, review, if you will, the church is not a building, but it's a it's a it's people, it's you and I and everybody else that has said yes to Jesus. And, and so, yes, we call our buildings a church, but I really prefer to call them that are, there are ministry sites that that this is where the mission site is that we work out of. And the church is the people who go there and, and lead there. And it's a worldwide body, but also a local assembly. And that's the kind of thing that we have to understand that when someone kneels before Jesus and says, yes, I want you to be my Lord and Savior, they become part of a universal cosmic, if you will, body of Jesus. And as they say, the saints triumphant, those who have already gone to heaven. And today we're, we're at All Souls Day. We're recording on October 31st. All Saints Day, you know, tomorrow, All Hallows Eve tonight. And we should celebrate those that have gone on before who have impacted us. But we're also now what we call the church militant, which is a term we need to make sure we understand, but that we are in the battle, the spiritual battle. We're not out there killing people, but we're in a spiritual battle. And and that this church is universal, okay? And it's the, the thing that, that ties the last book with this book is we have to think now 
can salvation really take place outside of the church? And and I've I've forgotten the uh, the, the the great Christian saint uh, Cyprian. Maybe I, I'd have to think, but um, he said that no one who does not have the church as their mother can have God as their father. And and I, yeah, we can knock that one around a little bit, but I think the message is clear that God works through his church. So let's think about that for a second. What, what does that mean in that 1040 window where there aren't churches? Well, defining the church, universal or the church individual. And I, you, everybody who's watching this podcast who has said yes to Jesus, we're the church. And so we plant churches, we plant congregations of the church. And so in our books, uh, Dan, we do a lot with this that we call it the capital C church. Mm -hmm. And that is whoever has bent the knee to Jesus. And then there is the local church, we would call a congregation or an assembly. And so in one sense, no, no one can get saved outside of the church. But even there, we have to be careful. Because even if there is no congregation and there's somebody going into that mission land, mission field, and they are calling people to Jesus, um, that would be how it happens probably 99% of the time. But that's don't leave God out of this situation. And even sometimes, you know, like Abraham in the Old Testament or others, God can get people. But at some point, it is a local congregation of the church that is nurturing that disciple. And so, yeah, we have to think about this theologically, but um, it, it is really important that it is part of a local, con- people, a person who has come to faith in Christ is part of a local congregation and being discipled and growing at some point, wherever that is, is made possible. And I, I will go one step further in saying that I've talked to many people who have been in sports ministry who have said that we really didn't say it strong enough in this book. Mm. Because they say it's not just any church, any congregation, but it is Bible-believing, Christ-centered, evangelistic, disciple-making churches because they've had a lot of their athletes that they've gone and reached for Jesus who joined a church that is not that. And five years later, their their spiritual lives are shipwrecked because they're not getting the discipleship of the gospel. Your guys' thoughts? Well, I love that that is the the mission of CSRM, is we're about local congregations, the local church, and and also the capital C church. And we want to see people, um, one to Christ, but then growing in Christ. And I think this this chapter, once again, helps um, the local church sports minister around the world to think through what's my overall strategy. Uh, to win someone to Christ, and obviously that's what this book is all about, but then help to integrate them into the life of that church. And so I love that that is our our heart. Um, 
Greg, I love that you you specified it needs to be a Bible believing uh, evangelistic church that's focused on making disciples. Um, I think that is that's that's really important for us to make sure that we're we're doing all we can to help our local churches to to be that um, because that's when we're going to see uh, a lot of fruit in these ministries because we we know the great potential outreach of sports rec and fitness. But to bring them into something that's not going to help them to grow, well, then, just like you said, there's going to be problems and people are going to have their their faith. They're going to have some sort of crisis because they haven't been able to grow through that. So um, I love it. That is our heart is we want to help local churches. That's what CSRM is, is all about. So um, I think it's just a good, a good reminder uh, as to what's most important. So just just some thoughts on my end there. Hmm. Well, the third part of that trilogy, then, is the centrality of the Great Commission. And if we're not understanding that the that the the role and function and purpose of the church is to reach others, and we become a kind of a spiritual country club where we just get together and help each other, there's some benefit to that. We all enjoy that, but we really are called together to go into the world. And how does this relate to the sports ministry, the rec ministry, the fitness ministry? Um, I think it comes down to what's our focus. And a lot of times, uh, hey, you know, I I was a sports minister at a local church for 15 years and have been involved as a volunteer for decades after that. And I, I have to keep asking myself as a coach, am I focused on winning games or winning souls? And, and that's just something that can be very subtle. It's a subtle mission shift. Um, and that's for the sports side of it. But then for the fitness side of it, am, am I focused on building bodies, stronger, healthier bodies, or building the body of Jesus? And, and so I can do all of my fitness classes, and I can have a person who's cardiovascularly really, really well off, but if we're not touching their hearts, then we got to ask the questions. And then there's a lot that goes into facilities, particularly in America. It's not as true in maybe other places in the world, but even there, there's a sense in which I got to have a, a field or a pitch, you know, to kick a soccer ball around or, or something. And, and so are we focused on facilities or focused on families? Are we focused on the individuals within those families? And and then there's all this, there's a recreation side of, 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 of who we're speaking to. And that is, it could be anything from bird watching to bicycle clubs to all kinds of different recreation, um, touring and, and senior adult trips, et cetera, whatever you're doing. Um, but it, is our focus there on on the recreation or on regeneration. And and so there's just some things within the sports ministry that we need to be focused on to be in that third of the trilogies of the Great Commission. And we can often get off of our mission because these things are so prevalent in what we do. Greg, when we think about that trilogy, uh, one final question, um, because if if we're focused on these things, uh, things are going great and our ministries are going to be fruitful. But if we get off track or if our focus isn't on those three things or on one of those three things, 
if there's some sort of uh, struggle there. The, the latter half of chapter five talks about what a sports minister can change. Can you kind of summarize a couple of key points as to what a sports minister can do when there is some need of change to make sure we're, we're focused on these three things? Yeah, and I'll answer that and in, in by giving maybe a couple of personal experiences. Um, so the first one is to change from begging people um to to come to come to jesus um this goes back to the to the uh, easy faith and you know cheap grace kind of stuff um you know in 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 my veterans basketball league that i'm begging these guys you got to come to jesus got to come to jesus rather change from from that to enticing them and 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 not that we're trying to do a, a bait and switch kind of thing, but the how can how can we portray the gospel in what it's really there for? It used to be called what was called the gospel lift, and that when somebody came to faith in Christ, their lay, their life improved. Now this is not uh, you know the health and wealth gospel here prosperity gospel uh, it, it, it's a byproduct the gospel lift said that when i came to christ and i i was discipled i became a better father i became a better employee or employer um, i did differently with my finances i wasn't in debt anymore i began to save i began to tithe i began my health my physical health my marital health all of these things that the gospel can bring. It's good news. And, and it's not necessarily why we do it, but it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a byproduct again of that. And so rather than trying to, to, to beg the, my, my veterans league guy, rather than trying to sell the parents of our youth leagues um, on the benefits of the Christian faith, um, and changing, you know, how, how we are in our, in our fitness classes, we, we want, we want to change it to communicating what the gospel really is and changing from soft selling the gospel to this is going to cost you something. It's a discipleship, but it's worth it. And that's where the testimonies come out, changing to people just sharing that gospel lift in their own life in the post-game devotionals. I don't know. Do you guys have other thoughts? I think these are strong challenges and that, that change in our, um, how we communicate, I think is, is a, a great summary as to what this is all about because uh, how we communicate dictates, I think what is most important to us and our ministries and to the people we're trying to minister to and these biblical mandates, when we get off track, um, changing how we are doing ministry helps us to get back on track. So this makes a, a whole lot of sense. Um, and I think it's 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 a good challenge. Um, we're, we're referencing page 51 of chapter 5, if you're following along with us. Just some good changes that if we get off track, that you as a sports minister, you and your ministry should consider to get back on track when it comes to these 
biblical mandates here. Scott, anything on, on your end? No, I think I think the big thing, and this is something that I kind of looked both in, in the book, but then also in my devotional, is this idea of, you know, all these churches want to do discipleship, but yet they're not able to determine what a disciple is. Yeah. And I think, you know, if Jesus is center and especially it's hard if you're just always saying, well, come to my program or come to this or come to that. And we're making the program or the event, the thing that draws people instead of Jesus and his bride. Then when we do say, hey, come to Jesus. Well, you sold them on the program but you didn't sell them on christ and that's kind of the i think kind of the problem that we're getting into is we need to switch and sell them on jesus and then the program's kind of the second thing that comes you know more of the benefit of of coming to jesus i love that scott and and I, i can kind of maybe wrap it up in this way that remember we've talked about proclamation affirmation and that the gospel is proclaimed by our life by our lifestyle by in our sports rec and fitness, is it being done well? Is it is it a qualitative, a, a very sharp, classic kind of way of going about things? And if people don't see the gospel being lived out and they don't see it and they don't experience it, in some ways it really doesn't matter what we say affirmation-wise. But we proclaim the gospel with our lives, and then we affirm it through our words. And so in our leagues, we need a certain amount of of success in our own individual lives. I'm certainly not perfect. Um, You know, and you've heard me say this, that uh, we celebrated, my wife and I, 40 years uh, a couple weeks ago of marriage. And we've had 37 good years of marriage. And and so I'm not perfect. There's a, there's some days and weeks that I wonder why she stays with me. <laughs> but overall, it's good. And if, there, if, if the overall is not good, not perfect, but good, mm-hmm. no one's going to want to join that. No one's going to want to give up what they're doing right now. And so it's really important for us to understand that we've got to live this out and that our churches need to be proclaiming the gospel by how we conduct these things. It's then that somebody's going to want to say, okay, I am willing to get married and quit living with somebody. I am willing to give up that lifestyle for this lifestyle. I am because I see it. And that's something that we we really over overlook all the time. Yeah, and if if these biblical mandates are a priority in our lives and in our, in our ministries, we're going to produce people that are worth following. Um, you know, I I go back to the words of of Paul: "Follow me as I follow Christ." That's right. We want to be that personally as leaders, and we want to pour into people so that they can become that, and so that we can elevate these people. Um, not because they're anyone special, not because they're perfect, just like you said, Greg, but because they're trying to follow Jesus. And that's what this is all about. Unfortunately, we are out of time. Um, But we thank you so much for joining us in our discussion of the saving of church sports, chapter five, these biblical mandates that the local church sports 
recreation and fitness minister can apply as a focus to their ministry. And we just encourage you, if you don't have a copy of this book, go to our website, csrm.org, click on the store. The drop-down menu will show you right to how you can get to our online store and purchase one of these books. Again, The Saving of Church Sports, and we're talking about Chapter 5. So that's all the time we have today. So on behalf of Dr. Linville and Scott Stedman, I'm Dan Stouffer signing off. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time. Take care. The CSRM Podcast is a production of CSRM and their production house, Overwhelming Victory. Dr. Greg Linville is the executive producer, and Scott Stedman is the associate producer and editor. To learn more about CSRM, visit csrm.org. For more information about Overwhelming Victory, visit overwhelmingvictory.org. The CSRM Podcast is the flagship member of the podcast network Overwhelming Victory Radio. For more information on Overwhelming Victory Radio or to listen to our partner podcasts, visit overwhelmingvictory.org backslash OV Radio. For CSRM Podcasts, I'm Mike Maloney. Have a blessed day.